Welcome in, Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Borgannoni. I'm here with Matthew Betts. I just want to say, it's a great time to be alive, people, especially here in Atlanta. Oh, Big World Series starts tonight. Yeah, dude. Are you psyched for your Braves? Dude, I am really, really psyched. You know, I've lived in Atlanta my entire life, and I grew up in a time, I know we're talking baseball here, but... A lot of you around the country, you grew up probably watching Braves because they were on TBS and you probably had that channel. But yeah, in the 90s, Braves baseball was it. I always felt like we're going to win. So it's great that we're back. The Falcons won. Georgia's number one in the nation. Dude, (laughs) seven wins. (laughs) Seven wins as well within reach, my friend. We only four away from getting our money back. So yes, good weekend for Atlanta. And we don't really talk about college on this show very much. But are you a are you a dogs fan? You're a Georgia fan? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I root for him. My sister went to Bama, so there is okay. like kind of like this allegiance where and that's why I love Julio as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the dogs are are stout on defense. I would say we have a quarterback controversy, but college football aside, we're at that time of the year where it's getting colder and football, at least like in terms of what we talk about on DFS, means that much more. And if you're staying with us, that's like what we care about the most is this is about DFS for the rest of us. Maybe you're the type of person that says, I can't put down 20 G's like bets. You know, like every week I can't just mortgage my house. Uh, but I want to get better at the game. I want to be able to learn how to be cash viable every single week. Then this is the place for you. And week eight, we're almost at the halfway point. And it's a great time just to press reset. If you had some adversity, make sure uh, that you go back to some of the principles, some of the things we talked about in the summer. But let's talk about this past week in the cash process and our main takeaways. Uh, you did a little bit better with me. I squeaked by, but when I'll, I'll let you start. Yeah, for sure. It was a week where, you know, there was three, I think, obvious best spend up options talking about Derrick Henry, Devonta Adams and Cooper Cup. And honestly, it felt like between the three of them, you were kind of just if there was a three way coin, you're flipping it. They were all in great spots, decent price tags, you know, all affordable. Um, and all, all week, I was pretty locked into Devonta Adams. I was extremely bullish on his performance. We saw the Washington football team have one of their starting corners, William Jackson, get ruled out. And I was really on him, but there was just this thought process in my head. I'm like, man, Cooper Cup is so much cheaper. It allows you to get up to a couple other players that I love this week. Most notably, it was Calvin Ridley, which is why I chose to go down to Cooper Cup. And Ridley let us down, unfortunately. Um, but a funny story. I'm literally sitting here like, you know, it's like 11 o'clock on the East Coast. I'm like looking at my lineups. I'm like, man. I cannot decide, Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup. I go downstairs, I say to my wife, who knows literally nothing about NFL DFS or fantasy football in general, I say, hey, who would you play this week? Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams? She doesn't even skip a beat, doesn't even take a second to think about it. Cooper Cup. I go, okay, why? She says, well, you just poured coffee in my cup. And I said, oh my gosh, I love this woman. She doesn't even know (laughs) that Cooper Cup of Coffee is the fantasy footballer's nickname for this guy. And from that point on, he was locked into my lineup. So uh, thankful to her because he smashed this week. And really, Cooper Cup did save me in cash. That's kind of like when I asked my wife to do a March Madness pool. Like she's going to destroy me in it just because she's not overthinking it. 
the way that I am, and she's just randomly picking it. So maybe we need to go to get some outside voices as opposed to you and I, where we kind of go galaxy brain going back and forth. I did go with Devonte Adams. I think he was a good play. I stacked him with Rogers. So I think I did okay there, but for his price, they didn't pay off the way that you wanted to. And my biggest hold up from playing cup was because Darrell Henderson was across the board. Like one of, he was the most popular play in cash this past week. You and I both played him. Everybody played him. I mean, a lot of my 50 fifties, I think he was like 75%. And he let a bunch of people down. Uh, So if you went in a different direction, like DeAndre Swift, I think you did fine. My biggest pivot was when the news came out that Ramondre Stevenson would be out. I moved Damien Harris to being a good GPP play to, I'll play him in cash and get a safe floor of about 15 points. He ended up with 28 points. And that in itself really helped me differentiate myself from a lot of people because he wasn't super popular. A lot of people didn't react as much and maybe it's because he doesn't catch passes. I get it. But so that was helpful. And then I cashed bets on that very last Cole Komet catch at the very end of the, that beautiful Justin Fields game. <laughs> Which is just incredible. Relying on a rookie quarterback with Matt Nagy as the head coach to throw to a tight end that might see like five <laughs> targets in a game just to get one cash to put you over the cash line. Yeah, you and I were texting, and I was like, man, like Chris Godwin's smashing, but everyone played him. And you, and I was pretty comfortable at that point. And you were like, oh, I'm worried. I said, dude, you just got to believe. Little did we know, Cole Komet, our savior. Yes, and he was a punt play at 3K. Uh, but I was riding that Chris Godwin, and it didn't really matter. But this past week, it was deciding between those wide receivers. And then how did you survive Darrell Henderson? Or how did you survive playing uh, some other popular players? Brandon Cooks let a lot of people down. Uh, that played him. There's just players like that, that if you're all in and the field's against it, you have to get different. So we'll talk more about cash game plays that we like early on in the week. And I just want to encourage you on a Tuesday, a Tuesday, you can actually figure out who are some players that are viable and you can keep them in your process. Rashad Bateman was one of those players this past week that we said, Hey, if you need to punt at wide receiver 3,400, go with Rashad Bateman. He did his job, right? 11 points. That's all you're asking for in a punt play allowed you to pay up at different spots. So uh, stay with us throughout the week as news comes out, but we're going to preview the main slate uh, for week eight. State of the main slate. This is back to being one of those big boy slates, you know, where we're not getting the bye weeks. We're not getting the London games. We have a full slate of games. And so we'll preview that our Vegas totals, but all of our lines we get at DraftKings Sportsbook Lines. It's where Bets and I play. You go to sportsbook.draftkings.com. And let's check in with a couple of wagers that you and I have made. I'll start off by saying the Falcons over wins. That was actually one of our most bullish uh, Vegas totals that we said all the way back in, what was that, March? And then it was March, we kind yeah. of, And then we stayed with that. In the offseason, just for those of you that don't know, We don't really talk about DFS in March, but we do talk about projecting and talked about different sports lines. We talked about the NFL draft and different wagers. So we previewed the season and we found that the Falcons at seven wins felt like a little too low because they had a fourth place schedule. Like they have a super easy schedule. They still haven't played the Jaguars and the Lions and they still have some other winnable games and we just like their prospects. Uh, So it looks like over seven wins is certainly doable sitting at three and three right now. We only need four more wins. Dude, thank goodness. Our Falcons. 
Um, I, was, I was really nervous when that came, by the way, on Sunday. I was oh, like, man, they're going to sure. they're gonna lose this for sure. Like zero confidence. And uh, thank goodness they did, they did get it done for us. Uh, one wager that looks solid, we both were on this one too right now, is Carolina's under on their win total. Now, I got this at seven and a half, and I think it, I, if I remember correctly, Kyle, it had dropped to seven and then six and a half. And you said there's plus money on six and a half. I'm going to take that too. So we both look like that could be solid, which after three weeks, Sam Darnold out here looking like Pat Mahomes was questionable. <laughs> and since then, he is now seeing ghosts again ahead of Halloween looking awful. Oh, so bad, man. Um, it's a bummer. But that is good for the Carolina under. We'll see what happens when Christian McCaffrey comes back uh, moving forward. But under looks good as of now. Yeah, I actually looked back. I did get it at under a seven and a half as well. Uh, it looked terrible after three weeks, obviously when they were three and zero. But things are not trending in the right direction for me. Brought this one up. Our probably under that we felt the best about early in the offseason was the Titans, and right now at five and two, with some huge wins, including against the Chiefs this past week, just completely destroying them. The Titans under nine and a half wins does not look good at all. Uh, and it didn't look good after that Julio trade, but it's like, they don't even need Julio right now. Uh, they're just dominating teams. So Titans under is probably the wager that is gone for me. Yep. I'm with you. And week by week, this Seahawks over nine and a half wins that I have is looking rough. Shout out to Geno Smith. Uh, it's not going well with Pete Carroll and his air monarchs just running the ball over and over and over again. Hopefully they can get it done this week to get to three wins. I think they're two and five right now. Then they get the bye. But after that, they get the Cardinals and the Packers. So things look rough until Russ gets back. So I will be sweating that one probably until week 17, week 18 this year. They're going to be a weird team to evaluate in the offseason because you're going to have this blip on their radar where, you know, four or five weeks in a row where it's like their pass and run rate looks totally off. Their pace stats, like everything is just ruined. Thanks a lot, Gino. You ruined everything because <laughs> I think that over nine and a half was sharp. Uh, but now it's, yeah, it's not looking so hot. And they have some tough games. All right, let's preview the games on this slate. We don't, we only have one over 50 points right now. I think a couple of these might get close to it being bet up even further. But give me those games with the highest total this week. Yeah, when you say it's over 50, I mean, it's literally barely over 50. We're talking about Tampa and New Orleans at 50 and a half points. That has been bet down already. It opened at 51. And then Miami and Buffalo, they are at 48, and that's been bet down 49 and a half. Tennessee and Indy looks enticing. That's been bet up. It opened at 47 and a half. It's all the way up to 49 and a half. Could see that getting to 50 for sure by Sunday. And then the Patriots and the Chargers sitting at 49 points. That has been bet up from 48. Yeah, so we're not getting a monster total like last week. It was, okay, the game that's going to make the slate is Chiefs and Titans. And then you kind of figure out from there. This week, there's so many different directions. And I bring that up because we have a full slate, right? We only have two teams on by the Ravens and the Raiders. And then we have our standard, you know, games on uh, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. Like we're getting a full slate of games, 12 games uh, to be more specific. So it's been a little bit since we've had this on our mind. We're used to the buys. We're used to the smaller slates. We're used to the London games. How does this change before we go in the nitty gritty of which teams we like and which salaries we like? How does this change your overall strategy uh, about cash? And we'll talk about GPP as well. Yeah, and cash, whenever the slate is bigger in terms of the number of games that are available, obviously, that means we have more players to pick from in our cash lineup. And so as a result, we tend to see a little bit higher scores in cash. So, you know, if you're talking 50-50s and double ups, we might see that line move a little bit higher, something like 150-ish. Sounds like a decent ballpark early in the week. 
And, you know, really that gives us just more options to pick from. It's easier to set a quote unquote optimal lineup where it felt like last week and the week before with the smaller state slate, you were having to pick one or two guys that you were like, I don't really feel super confident in this. Whereas, you know, weeks one, two, three, it's like, oh, these guys all look awesome. This feels pretty comfortable. So probably a higher cash line this week, but bigger player pool to pick from in cash. Yeah, with that cash line, we might get higher than what it's been, but I also, man, I'm looking at these totals. Last week, there were three wide receivers that we just said they could break the slate. Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup. And Cup did, and then we had someone like Jamar Chase just get in there and, and do the same thing. The matchups and the games this week, I'm not seeing the same wide receiver heavy, uh, at least matchups where I say, okay, I'm going to pay down at running back, I'm going to get at least one of those stud wide receivers. I'm not seeing the same build at the beginning of the week, and that could change. But we also have a couple of onslaught games that we'll talk about that I think will be interesting. Like when we look at the Bills and the Rams, like they're both heavy favorites. How do you want to attack those games? And I'll just say in GPPs, the roster percentages that I think will come out later on in the week, they're going to be more spread out. This is just how it is when we have a bigger pool of players so there won't be as chalky unless we get some news later on in the week where there's a cheap running back or, or something like that. But uh, yeah, just last week it was Darrell Henderson was just way up there. Chris Godwin, way up there. It's just news came out where these players became chalkier. And I don't think that's necessarily the case this week. My preferred strategy as of Tuesday is in tournaments, I'm just going to pick two games and just go overweight on those games because there's so many choices like you start looking at a slate with 12 games and it's like you start spreading yourself thin of like, well, I want exposure to that game and that team's kind of good. Like, I'm just going to say, here's two games. I'm going to go overweight on them, especially if the field's not. That's kind of my preferred strategy. Any any final thoughts on GPP uh, Overlook? Yeah, I think one thing that I learned a little bit more last week about the slate was we talked about, you know, there's so many good spots, like the Bucks run an awesome spot. The Rams were in a great spot. You know, there was teams that just had these huge spreads that you wanted exposure to. But at the same time, the other side of the ball was like, eh, can Justin Fields really push Tom Brady? Like, can Allen Robinson actually do anything? Turns out the answer is no. Um, so we often preach correlation and bringbacks when you're stacking a game. And I think that we've learned, like, when these spreads are huge, it may not make sense that you have to actually bring it back in those scenarios, especially if you think the team fails and if the other team that you're stacking doesn't need to be pushed to get there. Like it was so funny to see Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Like they're up like what, 35 to three. He's still out there throwing at the two yard line. <laughs> like that's what let Chris Goblin hit the hundred yard bonus and almost fall in the end zone again. So, um, you know, I, I think correlation is important, certainly, but in these huge spreads, if you want exposure to some of these teams, don't be afraid to do it. And then don't force yourself to bring it back if it doesn't make sense. And I think there's a couple of games that we'll talk about where it might not make sense this week. That's where I was last week with Brandon Cooks. He was my fade in wide receiver uh, quarterback matchups. I just didn't love it. Didn't love the game. I liked Kyler and I liked just where the whole game was going. You could just kind of say, I'm going to take Kyler and maybe stack him with two guys. But Cooks as a bringback is tempting always because he has such a huge target share, but ended up not working out. So just weigh that out if you're looking at some of these onslaught stacks. But on the slate this week at quarterback, there is no Patrick Mahomes. No Kyler Murray, no Aaron Rodgers, no Dak Prescott. Like, there's some big names that are off. And we'll talk about quarterback when we get to salary standouts because there's one, and that's it. Like, to me right now, there's only one quarterback. And then at tight ends, I think this is 
the one that I'm most confused on earlier in the week. Okay, so this week at tight end, you don't have Travis Kelsey. You don't have Darren Waller. You don't have Mark Andrews, who's on by. You have George Kittle, uh, who's still returning from injury. Darren Waller's also on by. Dalton Schultz is off the slate. So tight end pickings are pretty slim right now. We'll get to that in a second. But Kyle Pitts, our boy, Kyle Pitts, is the tight end one on both sites. So we'll talk about how to approach him. But what do you think is going to be the most popular game to stack? Yeah, I put down here the Tennessee and Indy game. Uh, it's a total that's already on the rise, which I like to see, you know, 47 and a half up to 49 and a half. I think that can get north of 50. And, you know, with Indy playing on Sunday night, there was a little bit, I think, of a delayed pricing adjustment with what we saw. Like Michael Pittman's target share is awesome. His dot is awesome. He looks great. Jonathan Taylor looks like a top three back. He's been running uh, out of his mind recently and doing great. And the matchup is awesome with Tennessee. And then you look on the other side of the ball, and A.J. Brown is kind of back to doing his thing. Derrick Henry is always in play, and his price came down on the slate. So I think it's one of those games with the total on the rise, both teams having players that are decent salaries that we could really see a lot of exposure going to those games. So I do think it's going to be popular, but I do think for good reason. Um, And Indy, very quietly, I put this in the Vegas report in the DFS pass, is playing some of the best offensive football in the league over the last month of the season. They are among the top 10 teams in scoring, which I think early on we were like, oh, these Colts, like they're kind of lame. Like Carson Wentz on the injury report with two ankle sprains, right? Quentin Nelson in and out of the lineup, uh, a bunch of injuries, but things are really coming together for the Colts. And certainly Tennessee last week, I don't know what happened stopping Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They just look broken, but I'm not willing to say that Tennessee is a good defense by any means. So I'm pretty excited about that game between those two AFC South teams. When they played last year in Indianapolis, Tennessee won 45-26, so they smashed the over. Derrick Henry went bananas. Of course he did. Uh, 178, three touchdowns. So I think we like the fact that this game is getting bet up early in the week. There's actually some pretty affordable options. You know, like A.J. Brown's still not very expensive. Tannehill and Wentz are definitely cheap enough. We love Michael Pittman. So it's just going to be how do you stack this game. I will say the Colts, outside of Pittman, and Jonathan Taylor, they still have enough ancillary annoying pieces that I just feel like I'm going to miss out on a Mo Alley Cox touchdown or a Zach Pascal. Uh, that's the only thing about the Colts that kind of frustrates me. But man, Michael Pittman looks like he's going to be a wide receiver one in this league for a couple of years. I will throw out the Rams and the Bills. I know they're not the traditional game to stack, but with their implied totals, I think there's just so much confidence in those two teams and in their fantasy options that I can see the field saying early on, I want exposure to Stafford Cup or Stafford Darrell Henderson and then bring it back with maybe Brandon Cooks or the Bills game. It's like, we'll talk about it in a second. Josh Allen's best quarterback on the slate. I know he's going to sling the ball. I've, I saw them in week two destroy the Dolphins. So both of those teams I want exposure to. I just want to know how does the field see that? Or are they going to go look for a whole game? Because the back and forth, I don't think the Texans can do it. The Dolphins could do it. We saw it this past week, uh, but it's on the road in Buffalo. So that's the biggest question is, can Miami keep up with Buffalo? But what do you think is the sneakiest game on the slate? Yeah, this one was tough because there's not a lot that I was really drawn to. Like Normally, it's so easy to be like, oh, this looks really enticing. I just put it down on the dock. And this this week, I logged in and I said, I don't really know. But my answer here, I'm going to go with the Chargers and the Patriots. And it's mostly because of the way that the Patriots like to play or the way that they have been successful mostly this year, which is pounding the rock with Damian Harris, which 
the Chargers are going to let you run. So I could see a scenario where Damian Harris has a really nice game. And then Justin Herbert, last time we saw him with the Chargers, they were awful against Baltimore when they were chalk in DFS. And this week, coming out of a bye, I think this is a get-right spot. You know, they're at home. Um, and you will just want to trust good offenses, good quarterback play, which Justin Herbert has obviously shown, and his weapons with Mike Williams presumably being more healthy this week. So that's a spot that I'm really looking to get back on track with uh, there with the Patriots and the Chargers. I was going to throw out the Panthers and the Falcons. I think that there's pieces in this game. I've seen DJ Moore destroy the Falcons in the past. Um, it looked really rough this past week, though, for Sam Darnold. But the Falcons seem to be in a good spot. But that that game's at that total right now at 47, where it's right under where I think a lot of people will be playing. So it's sneaky enough where we saw in our data from the summer that games in that 47 to 49 window, they go under-rostered, and they have a pretty good chance of hitting the over. So let's say that game hits the over. I want at least some exposure to it. So even if you did a Pitts DJ Moore correlation or, you know, used to said, I think this is the game that Chuba Hubbard in a GPP does it Hubbard and Ridley. I think uh, that game could totally get there and you could have some valuable pieces, but where do you want to be underweight early in the week? Yeah, on paper, these two defenses with Seattle and Jacksonville are usually spots that we say, like, let's go after these defenses and play the offense against them. But we have Urban Meyer, who was doing God knows what on the bye week, probably not planning, (laughs) going up against Seattle, which, you know, uh, their offense has looked good. James Robinson has looked really good. I think he's intriguing this week, but we haven't really seen them support like Marv Jones and LaVisca Chenault at the same time. So like double stacks are kind of off the table. And on the other side, like, you know, Pete Carroll is, is going to hide Geno Smith for as long as he can with Alex Collins and Rashad Penny running the ball. And the issue this week is that I think that's going to work. Jacksonville has been getting torched on the ground. So you have two offenses that I don't really trust that are probably going to run the football a ton. And like I said, both those run offenses can work in this game. So it could just be like a slow game where because they're running so much, the clock is just ticking over and over and over again. And it doesn't really get there. And it's got a pretty low total at 43 and a half points. So right now, I'm not super interested in stacking that. However, I will say I do like James Robinson quite a bit this week. Right now, Eagles at Lions is my early take because we'll look at those two teams and say, okay, we like DeAndre Swift. Jalen Hurts is bad, but good for fantasy. I just think that that game could totally hit the under. They're not good offenses. They've been good offenses because they've been trailing and their pass rate above expectation has been pretty great, especially when it comes to Jalen Hurts, but they're not efficient. And so a lot of times we want to chase cheap teams and think that they're going to go back and forth. Sometimes they're just bad. They're just really bad teams. And right now, the Eagles and the Lions might be... Well, the Lions are the worst team in the league. Would you put Eagles in the bottom five? Dude, they look so bad. And I'll be the first to tell you watching this team. Yeah, they look awful. And like you said, you know, Jalen Hurts has gotten there because he's had to been pushed to do it in the fourth quarter. And I played him in cash last week. I was sweating that game, just hoping he got there. But I don't know. Is is Jared Goff going to push Jalen Hurts to do that? Maybe. But like you said, the total is it was high, higher than I thought it would be. I'll say that. So I'm with you right now. I'm not super interested in that game. It's funny in cash this past week, I, I paid up for Rodgers and didn't sweat anything. He did what he was supposed to do. I think he got 22 points. You saved some money 
and it ended up being a better play, but you were probably way more stressed out than me. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> no one saw my uh, my heart rate there because it was escalating quite quickly in the third quarter when Jalen Hurts had like ten points. But he he does what he does, man. Comes out every week, twenty plus DraftKings points, no questions about it. Which team are you most confident hits the over of their team implied total? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Colts here. Actually, I talked about them being an offense that I've surprisingly been you know really impressed with. I thought they were kind of one of the worst in the league in the first two, three weeks of the season. We've seen them really turn it around. The offensive line is getting a lot healthier. Carson Wentz, shockingly, isn't playing bad football. Um, and they've got some pieces that can really get it done. So they're at 24 points. That feels a little bit lower going up against the Titans. And again, I'm not buying into a one-game sample last week where the Chiefs fall on their face. We've seen the Titans give up a ton of points before. I'm going to go with the Rams. I think I said this last week, but I just trust them in spots um, against really bad teams. And the Texans last week... Gave it up against the Cardinals. Right now, their team implied total is 30 and a half. And you can find all these team implied totals if you're trying to figure out where are you compiling these. These are in the DFS pass. If you go to the game lines report, you can sort by implied totals, by different lines, and you can see the lines move. These are updated every single day uh, as you want. But give me the team you're confident hits the under. Oh, sad times for the Bears. I feel like I say them every week. <laughs> they are 18 and a half implied total here. I'm just not sure what to say. I, I can't I can't see it. I, I mean, we have the Niners, right? They're going to run the football. Matt Nagy's game plan is throw it into the flat and run the ball with Kula Herbert. It's just so tough to watch. I can't see them putting up almost 20 points here. All right, let's talk about our salary standouts for the week. Salary standouts. Dude, you didn't, you didn't even give us your uh, implied under who you thought was going to hit the under. Uh- Oh, dude, I'm so sick of, <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sick of some of these teams that I, I was actually looking at the game lines report and I was looking at some of those teams getting so sad. Like when you mentioned the the Bears, I was like, gosh, I hate these teams. I hate what they do for DFS. <laughs> Throw out the Browns, the Browns and the Steelers. That's a game that's pretty much a stay away. And if Nick Chubb plays, the game's a little bit more interesting, but. Yeah, the Browns are a team that I just don't want any exposure to against the Steelers. Give me the quarterback this week that will shine above the rest of them. And I think it actually brings up an interesting conversation because usually we say quarterback roster percentage doesn't matter, but I think this guy's going to be 18 plus percent in, in tournaments. Yeah, and in cash, probably even higher. Josh Allen is far and away the best quarterback play on the slate. As we talked about at the top of the show, we don't have Pat Mahomes. We don't have Dak Prescott. No Aaron Rodgers. No Kyler. Like Josh Allen is kind of by himself at the top. He's 8.1K on DraftKings. So it's a little expensive, but going up against Miami with a huge implied total, Miami is giving up the second most passing yards, the most 20 plus yard completions. Josh Allen has averaged almost 300 yards against this team in his career. There's just not a lot of holes to poke in Josh Allen, and he just feels so safe for cash. So I kind of already feel like I've made the decision early in the week, barring any news, that for me, he's almost going to be locked into my cash lineup because comparing him to the other quarterbacks below in salary, you can ask questions about every other one on the slate. It's just everything says that he's the cash game quarterback. Like They have the highest team implied total. They have the highest spread. They're playing at home. The Dolphins have given up the most 20-plus yard passing plays. Like Everything says Josh Allen's a smash play. So in cash, you're asking yourself the question, if I wanted to get different, 
what kind of points am I going to get? Like what, where, where am I going to get points where Josh Allen, you can say, I don't know, 23 points feels like a floor for him. And then you're really saying if he has a game where he goes for three plus touchdowns, you're looking at 30, 35 points and even more is on the table if they go bananas. So ask yourself that question, put in real numbers and no other quarterback I think can hit his ceiling this week in GPPs. Here's the question you have to ask yourself. If you're paying $8,100 on DraftKings, he has to be the quarterback one. Like that, that's what you're saying in a large field tournament. You can get away with it maybe in a, in a smaller field, but he has to be the quarterback one. And I haven't looked this up, but I think this might be a good study. You can remind me bets, but I want to look at so far through seven weeks, how the top quarterbacks have performed based on salary. So last week, Patrick Mahomes was clearly top on salary and busted majorly. I mean, if you paid up for Patrick Mahomes in a GPP, you had a bunch of icicles, snowflakes all over your roster because it was, I mean, you stacked him with Hill, you stacked him with Kelsey. It was bad. Like it was really bad. So in GPPs, he has to be the QB one in cash. I think he's maybe the safest play on the board. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And even though there's, like we said, 12 games, it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of good options at quarterback there's some that seem okay but yeah it's really tough so i'm with you i think he's probably the top spin up option i'll throw out if you do want to save a little bit of money and go down to jalen hurts again we don't really love the game environment that much but we've just seen it over and over and over and over again and i will say his floor seems way more shaky than i think it is to other people like there is a realistic possibility that one of these games you think it's going to come in the fourth quarter and all of a sudden he ends up with 13 DraftKings points which i thought was going to happen last week so if the the Lions can't push him, certainly that gives me a little bit of pause for Jalen Hurts. But how can you argue against what he's done for fantasy, not for real life football, for fantasy? He's just been awesome. Do you think with Miles Sanders being out, that changes anything? Or is it just, hey, they're going to run with Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott and just kind of do the same thing where they're going to throw more? Nope, I don't think it changes at all because the first month of the season, they were barely using Miles Sanders. So it's like almost no different to uh, to what Nick Sirianni wants to do. Justin Herbert's only 7.3. Betts brought up that game against the Patriots. He's at home. I think you can go there if you want to go in cash and get a little difference. I mean, that's $800 you're saving from Josh Allen. So I get it. If you want to step down, we love Justin Herbert. And then I just need to mention Carson Wentz for GPPs. You mentioned that pricing kind of glitch. Like 5,700 is too cheap for what's I don't know. It might end up as the highest total game when all is said and done. So um, we'll we'll see about that. But on FanDuel, Matthew Stafford is too cheap with that high of a team implied total against the Texans at 8,100. And Justin Herbert is 7,900. But running back this week, Derrick Henry's the top dog, of course, on both sites. I think I'm not ready to have that conversation right now about cash and if you can play him. Do you have any early leans? <laughs> I think it's just funny that you're taking the out. You're like, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this bet. So I can't do this right now. Um, yeah, early in the week, it does look like a great spot if you do want to spend up. Because like we said, with the slate as it is, we're not getting as many of those plays that we really love at their salary, especially a quarterback. But if you pay up at quarterback and then you pay up for Derrick Henry, it puts you in a really tough spot at wide receiver. So I haven't decided early in the week. We'll have to kind of see how the week goes. But certainly, anytime his price comes down, 
I'm interested in hopping back in on Derrick Henry. So I'll have some exposure, whether it's in cash or GPPs, for sure this week in a game environment, as we've already said, that we really like. There's a bunch of 6K guys, once again. These are We need to come up with a name for these dudes because every single week, they're not priced up enough given their role and given what they can do. So last week, early on, we said DeAndre Swift. Dude is 6K, like he is just sitting there and he completely smashed. So this week, I like Joe Mixon at 6,900 against the Jets who just, that's what they do. They give it up on the ground over and over and over again. So uh, as heavy favorites, I like Joe Mixon. And then uh, you wrote down James Robinson and Daryl Henderson. So do you have a lean on either of those guys? Or do you just say, I'm going to play them both? Yeah, if I had to pick one, it would certainly be Daryl Henderson. Just better offense, you know, better game environment with a total, better team implied total. His role has just been awesome. And I know last week he was chalk and failed in a perfect matchup, but I'm going back to the well. He's still getting the touches. He's taking on the Texans. They're favored by, I think, 14 and a half points. So positive game script. You really can't poke any holes in Daryl Henderson at this point. And again, anytime a running back comes down in price, despite the fact that the you know peripheral underlying metrics were there, despite the bad performance, I'm going back to the well. So for me, I love Daryl Henderson. And for James Robinson, we've already talked about it. You can run on the Seahawks. They're giving up so many fantasy points to running backs. Look at what Alvin Kamara just did last night on Monday Night Football. So you can definitely run on the Seahawks. All right, early in the week, I like the fact that Khalil Herbert is only 5,400 if I wanted to drop down. Against the 49ers, just gave it up on the ground. Jonathan Taylor and company in the rain. 5,400. He's kind of taken over that role. Damian Harris had 16% of the snaps. Khalil Herbert ran up for Damian over 100 Williams. yards. Williams. What did, I, what did I say? Harris. Dang it. Because Damian, Damian Harris, Harris was my boy. He was my boy this past week. Damian Williams definitely only had 16% of the snaps. But Khalil Herbert... Is that somewhere that's like if you had to take a step down from this group and let's say you had to choose between Derrick Henry and Cooper Cup, you wanted them in your lineup, but they're super expensive. Would you drop down to someone like Khalil Herbert? I probably won't in cash just because there's three guys here that we already talked about. Mixon, Henderson and Robinson that I think are far and away standout plays. So I would prefer to get up to them to have more of that balance build. I guess my only issue with Herbert, and he's looked awesome, like the only running back to go over 100 yards against Tampa this year. He's the only one that's been able to do anything on the ground. So he's been great. But I guess my only hesitation is like Damian Williams. He was on the COVID list all week. They just activated him. Like, does he get a little bit more endurance back this week? Do they play him a little bit more? And again, just the Bears. I, I, the Bears. <laughs> I can't. Can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. He's getting the passing work too, which he just looks like he has some juice like he's actually viable like he's not just like oh here's a backup and he's getting an opportunity like he actually looks good in his work on FanDuel I don't know why they did this but Alvin Kamara is the RB6 on FanDuel at only 8400 that is a massive misprice he's RB2 on DraftKings so I think on FanDuel he's an excellent play even against the Buccaneers uh, we know that they're tough against the run but did you see Monday night? Because that was their wide receiver one. They just said, hey, let's throw this guy out of the backfield. And the Buccaneers do that uh, more than anyone else. At wide receiver this week, there's no Devontae Adams. There's no Tyree Kill. So it's clearly Cooper Cup, uh, far and away the, the highest priced guy. And then it's Jamar Chase on FanDuel, but he's a little bit further down on DK. So I like Jamar Chase. I'm not sure how to handle that game though. Like 
the Bengals and the Jets, like, is that one of those games where you're like, okay, I, I want the points. I know the Bengals are going to put up points, but is that a ceiling type game? Cause I don't think the Jets can kind of go back and forth. So still like Jamar Chase, his price is too low considering how great he's been. So Jamar Chase 7,500 is my first take. Yeah. Don't hate it. Hard to argue with what he's done. He's just been amazing. Um, certainly the spend up options are great with Diggs and Cooper cup, like you said, but if you're looking to go down a little bit, I feel like a broken record with Keenan Allen. He's too good for what he's done. And I know that we keep saying that and he comes out and underperforms, but again, they've got a decent implied total coming off the buy. He's 6.5 K and for a guy like Keenan Allen, when he's hanging out in the mid six to low six range for pricing, for me, it's almost blinders just playing because he gets volume. He's so good. I'm trusting the offense to come back to them this week. Love his tag on DraftKings. And then also throughout Manuel Sanders just continues to get buried in pricing despite the fact that he has one of the best roles of any wide receiver in football, really, as far as his dot and the matchup, as we talked about already, with Josh Allen and the Bills at home. Huge implied total against the Dolphins who just give it up to the passing game left and right. Remember the days when we could play Manny Sanders at like, I don't know, 3.7K and 4K, 4.2. Still, 5.4 is stupid cheap for what they're doing. So, yeah, even in cash, if you want to do Josh Allen, Manuel Sanders, uh, I think that's totally doable. I mentioned Michael Pittman Jr. is only 5.3. Um, I, he's going to be popular, though. I think people are going to see that after the Sunday night game, see that his price is just way too low. But uh, you can't really argue. And then the matchup's great against uh, the Titans. On FanDuel, I need to point this out because this is another one that just blows my mind. Stephon Diggs is the wide receiver 11 on FanDuel. The wide receiver 11 on DraftKings, he's the wide receiver 2. So at 7,300 with the highest team implied total, Stephon Diggs will be in my FanDuel cash lineup, I can tell you right now. That is just dumb. (laughs) I don't understand. Make it make sense. This makes zero sense. A player that good with the implied total, like you said, yeah. No, he's a lock in cash. At tight end, Kyle Pitts is the tight end one across both sites. He's 6,300 on DraftKings. Do we need to think of him as a wide receiver? Because that's what he is. That's what his snaps are saying. That's what his role is saying. So position aside, $6,300 for a wide receiver that you get to play at tight end. Does that sit better with you? A little bit. I think it's still tough to stomach for me personally. And it's only because... You know, we were getting Kyle Pitts a week or two ago down at like 5.5K. So it's a huge price increase. Now, he's been awesome, obviously. And like you said, the role is there. But I think with the running backs that I want to play this week and I want to get up to Josh Allen and cash, it's probably going to be really tough to also jam Kyle Pitts in. That said, in a tournament, for sure, he's been awesome. And like you said, his role is expanding uh, where he's kind of the wide receiver one over Calvin Ridley, which is, is crazy to even say. This is a tough slate. I don't see awesome punt options. We have Dan Arnold, the postman at 2.8. That's okay, not exciting. Easy, dude. Don't say don't say there's no awesome punt plays. Dan Arnold, <laughs> this guy, <laughs> he is going to Come win on. me some money in DFS this week on his three catches for 38 yards as a punt play. I am very much interested in Darren Arnold this week. <laughs> dude, you know I love a good punt play because you get to feel good like I did with Cole Komet. He was a pump play at 3K and he kind of did his job. I know you're a little salty because you wanted to play Foster Moreau. I did. I almost, I played him in a couple of GPP, so it worked out fine. But yeah, I messaged you about 
I don't know, 30 minutes before the four o'clock slate started, I said, Kyle, what do you think about Foster Moreau? Darren Waller's out. He said, nah, dude, we're, we're playing. We're playing Cole Komet. I said, you sure? Yep, definitely. What does Foster Moreau do? Come out in the second drive? Touchdown. <laughs> Cole Komet, goose egg for the first like two quarters. <laughs> dude, don't twist my words, you turd burglar. I said, <laughs> this is who I am playing. And uh yeah, it wasn't the best play in the world. I won't I won't lie. But a punt play I'm not I wasn't looking for a big game. All right, Foster. I wasn't looking for that at all. Uh Mike Gasecki, your Penn State boy, is 5K at the Bills. He's creeping up in price, but his role is still there. If Devontae Parker is out, do you think he's gonna be one of the more popular tight ends? If he is out, yes. If he's back, it might be a fade situation for me. Um but as you said, he's just been awesome. His role is great. It's tough because I think he's like a natural play in tournaments where it's like, okay, Josh Allen looks great. Stefan Diggs looks great. Let's put him with Manny Sanders and double stack. And then, oh, there's Mike Kosicki. So I think he's going to be very, very popular. So it, it depends on Devontae Parker for me personally. But as I said, on this slate early in the week, I'm looking to punt tight end if I can. I just don't know where to attack this Bills defense. Like the Dolphins are throwing at such a crazy high rate. And I want to go somewhere. I wish Jalen Waddle got some deeper kind of eight dot targets that that I really liked. Um, I like Devontae Parker, and he's had some big games in the past against the Bills, but it just feels like a mess if he's involved. Uh, I'll mention TJ Hawkinson on FanDuel, 6.2. He's the tight end four on that site, and I think he's he's viable, especially if a lot of people want to play DeAndre Swift. I think Hawkinson's a good pivot off that. And then let's finish with defense. Yeah, the chalk punt play this week is probably going to be the football team down at 2.1K, taking on Teddy Bridgewater, who last time we saw the Broncos on Thursday Night Football, woof, that was so rough to watch. So football team, 2.1K, they look like a great cash game option. If you want to go up a little bit, I don't hate Cleveland, they're 3K, taking on Pittsburgh. We know the offensive line concerns. We know Big Ben is just a statue in the pocket. So... A little bit further down, you can go Seattle. They play at home against Jacksonville. We said we don't like that game environment, but Seattle's defense actually looked all right. I know it was against Jameis on Monday night, but they actually look like it could stand up, and we know that Trevor Lawrence can turn the ball over. And then I think the Bills are not as expensive as they should be. Playing at home, how great they've been. They're playing against the Dolphins. Two has been turning the ball over. Like he's been good for fantasy, but he's also been turning the ball over. We're going to be talking about the Bills in the next couple of weeks because they have a super easy schedule the next couple of weeks. So um, keep an eye on them. But 3.3, I I bet by next week they'll be 3.8 um, or even maybe the, the, the top defense on the week. If you want to play against us, you can play at ballersdfs.com, the DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg Plus Bets. I've been opening up these little smaller tournaments called battle of the borg and battle of the borgs here's the thing bets some of them have been only 10 people so you got to jump in there some of them have been 50 i was so close i think you were close in one of those two you and i were both like two and three for most of the day i ended up finishing like sixth or seventh but those are fun for people who, who are maybe intimidated by 200 person tournaments or even thousand person tournaments that you can get in those smaller ones. So I'll, I'll try to reveal those more. Maybe I'll try to do some uh, Battle of the Bets as well. Would you like that? Oh, I would love that. Yeah, those tournaments are fun, dude. Like you said, we were there at the top, and then, oh, Daryl Henderson sunk me like a ship. That's how DFS is sometimes, is I was there. You know, I, I screenshot 
when I have that, you're winning this many. I actually, do you guys do this before we close the show? Do you ever do this where you screenshot at like 2 p.m. and then you screenshot at like 4 p.m. just to like see the difference? And then you just post it, how it started, how it's going. It's not good. (laughs) It's definitely not good. It's not going good at all. But yeah, excited for week eight. I'm excited for what's ahead. Me too, man. It should be a fun week. Uh, Tricky slate, but stick with us. We'll be back on Friday. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.